Welcome to High Gluttony. I'm Gretchen. And I'm Becca. And we're two ladies on an adventure. Listen along every 10 days or so as we cook a dish we like. Quest about cannabis education. Or chat with someone we respect. You can find more information about this episode at highgluttony.com. Thanks for joining us, Gluttoneers. Off we go. Welcome, everybody, to High Gluttony. We have a guest today, and I'm not even sure how to begin to introduce her because her professional resume is impressive. So we have Mary Sanders with us today, and we'll get to her bio in a minute. But before we get to Mary's bio, let's all settle in and grab our drinks and our cannabis. Hello, Mary. Could you say hello to our gluttoneers and let us know what you're enjoying today as we chat? Yes, thank you for having me. Um, so sweet to have this bottle of Aubon Clement um, Chardonnay 2019 um, from Santa Barbara County. So um, it's very sweet to be here with you all and sharing this wine and talking about psychedelics. Great. And I am having a little, a little bit of Vino Verde with uh, some of my many, many ripe peaches from my tree in it. So I'm having like faux sangria. And a bowl <laughs> packed with some fruit cart, doing it up with the fruit. <laughs> Sounds <Yeah>. delicious. That's <laughs> pretty good. Summertime. And I, I took a few edibles earlier, so I'm waiting for those to kick in while we're, while we're talking. And I am drinking a 2016 white wine blend from Forlorn Hope. It's delicious. It's perfect. I'm kind of feeling a little bit relaxed now that we've got all that going. How about you, Gretchen and Mary? I'm getting there. Yeah. I just had my first sip. So we'll okay. see as the time progresses. <laughs> we'll check back in in half an hour. Sure. <laughs> Mary, I did pull a few snippets from your bio, which as Gretchen said, is impressive. And the pages, it's so long now. Mm. But what I wanted to call out that I saw at a high level and a few things I wanted people to know about you, but please fill the our audience in after I'm done with what I missed and what you think people should know about you. You are a psychotherapist, a social worker. You're certified in about a thousand things. It looks like Mm -hmm. you're an advocate. And so we are excited to talk to you for a lot of those reasons, but most importantly, because you use psychedelics and plant medicine as tools to heal trauma. And we are big fans of cannabis around here, but we haven't spent a lot of time talking about psychedelics and that relationship. So we're really excited. And if you could just fill in some of the gaps that I'm missing, and then again, just what do you want people to know about you? Great. That's a great start. Thank you, Becca. I'm located here on Ohlone land. You may know it as Oakland, California. And I um, am trained as a psychedelic assisted therapist here um, locally in San Francisco at the California Institute of Integral Studies. And also just recently the Academy Assisted Therapy Training as well. And um, I'm slowly yeah, moving towards my psychotherapeutic work in psychedelics. And I have a real calling to work with psilocybin, although I'm trained in ketamine and also MDMA. And I um, also am part of a nonprofit called People of Color Psychedelic Collective. And our intentions is building community um, in the psychedelic community for people of color. So creating um, spaces for conferences, workshops, as well as destigmatizing um, psychedelics and really highlighting the intersection of people of color, the war on drugs and psychedelics. So I'm quite busy these days, but it's very exciting. And I'm so honored to be part of the movement. And I'm hoping that I can be a voice that represents um, other Black folks, folks who've, um, you know, been working on their trauma. And, you know, a lot of my work has been around folks who've had extensive trauma, but also Black, Latino, queer folks and yeah, I'm really excited to, to bring these medicines to our communities. Thank you so much for filling all that in for us. And obviously all the work you're doing is super important right now. Can you tell us, for someone totally new to this, why and how do psychedelics work? And really quickly, is psychedelic the right 
terminology and language that we should be using. I've seen a couple of other terms and I just wanted to check in about that before we keep saying. (laughs) Yeah, no, great questions. Yeah. You'll hear a lot of different lingo and and psychedelics is the correct term. Um, It's mind manifesting. Um, And so for example, MDMA, which is getting a lot of attention and is moving towards FDA approval. Isn't like your class, classic psychedelic. So it's still kind of under the umbrella. Um, so you'll hear psychedelics, plant medicines, you know, ethnogens, enactogens. So I typically use psychedelics. Sometimes I'll say just medicines. Um, I also just want to acknowledge that they're all drugs. So this, we're talking about psychedelics today, cannabis, which makes no difference of other drugs, like in terms of their psychoactive plants um, and drugs like opium and other substances people use. Right. Just different scales of usage and perceptions around each. Exactly. So then how and why is this a therapy that you have found to be beneficial and how does it sort of work with the human body? For example, mushrooms, right? Mushrooms have been been used um, since the beginning of time. Humans, um, if you look at different art forms and, and research it, you'll know that it's, it's present. And since, since the beginning of our lives on this planet, we understand, we've kind of gathered a lot of our um, practices through indigenous wisdom from um, like the Mazatec people and other communities and tribes um, throughout Peru and Bolivia and other communities in African nations. And so psychedelics were used in the 1960s and here in the States and were shown to be really effective from a therapeutic standpoint. So they were used already in individuals therapy and couples therapy and group therapy. However, for example, when um, MDMA um, was used in nightlife scene, then the, the government shut it down, right? Or when psychedelics were used in counterculture and like the hippie scene and protesting, the government shut it down. So it's really in, in relation to the political climate and, the, and really the war on drugs that these um, medicines haven't um, been used and our above ground practices. But of course, right, um, people have been traveling and going to, you know, Peru and Brazil and other places and been um, to, to work with these medicines because they are so powerful. I mean, they do seem to have a wide ranging appeal depending on what people are looking for. And when you're using them sort of more for fun versus a therapeutic environment. Mm-hmm. How, how do you differentiate between those two scenarios? Yeah. The great, yeah. Great, great question. Yeah. So, so, you know, at this point, like a lot, well, how it's used in a therapeutic setting, you know, right now it's a lot of clinical trials, but of course people have been doing this in their homes and in their communities. And so I think when it's used intentionally for therapeutic purposes, there's just a lot more intention building around it um, in the sense that maybe it's just a little bit more contained, right? You're in a home, you might have um, some rituals um, or maybe like a ceremony and you may be kind of diving deeper into, you know, asking for some clarification, some support or healing of some trauma. And at the same time, I do think that there's some great therapeutic value and taking drugs with friends, um, whether it's MDMA, cannabis, mm-hmm. mushroom, because there's so much healing around being joyful, around connecting with others, about being in community. And so maybe you're not at that moment going into source of going, you know, straight into a trauma, but maybe that's not what you need to do in that moment. Maybe it's around feeling supported and loved and cared for by your friends, or maybe it's about connecting with nature or music. And so I do think that there is um, therapeutic value and I think it's not as talked about. However, it may not be the full intention in the sense that I'm going to focus on this event for the next three hours. I may focus on laughter and dance and joy Um, But we also know that in kind of in a setting, there might be um, some stimuli that might not be really supportive. So if you're out dancing, 
you know, someone pushes us or something like that, or we trip or fall, or there might be some safety issues. So, so those are all factors that may impede this, you know, a more positive, right. Experience or someone gets in our face or something like that. So, um, so I, I think it's all dependent on our intention and how deep we want to go. And I think there's space for all of it. But yeah, one is definitely going to be much more contained and um, in terms of like more planned around the music and the intention. Um, and, and whereas I feel like the other piece is more, you know, there's a lot more options in terms of the, <laughs> there's a lot more variability happening if you're um, dancing at a festival. But also that might be your intention is to be in your body and to dance and flow or connect with friends or to be in the mountains staring at stars. Right. <laughs> um, so different, but also all, both have some therapeutic uh, factors to them. I actually, because it does seem like even no matter when you're using them, there's always the possibility of having some sort of mind expanding experience. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just therapies, probably you're focusing on, I want to explore this one facet of something. And is that, is that possible? (laughs) With like psilocybin and ayahuasca and MDMA, um, ketamine, I think you still put out there, but I think ketamine kind of has a little bit of its own thing happening, but, um, yeah. So really like sitting on the intention, for example, I had an intention recently and it was like, who am I not, who am I not recruiting or inviting into my council, right. To my support system, right. I've had all these teachers, and I'm, you know, calling for help from all these different people in my life. And I'm like, who am I not, who's not invited? Like, who am I missing? Right. Mm-hmm. And like, I took the mushroom and within the first hour, it was like your mom, you're not inviting your mom. <laughs> and it was very clear. And then, you know, and so I had the answer and then all this other material showed up that I needed to work with and, um, can, you know, really like grieve on and explore on. And so I think that many of times your intention that you put forth the effort in terms of not the effort, but the time to reflect on it, to sit on it, to write it out, to say it aloud. And then even during, you know, um, your mushroom work or other psychedelics, going back to that intention is, is super important. And yes, like, that also the plant has its own agency. So okay. <laughs> if the plant has something to share with you or the fungi, then they will make sure to, to make that clear um, because it is, it's a relationship. So it's just mm-hmm. not going to go one way. Um, and I'm sure in your cannabis work, there might be some messages that you've received. And I'd be curious if any of you ha- have had that where you know, the plant might be telling you what's up or something, you know, <laughs> to think about. Well, I've definitely, I, I don't usually think of them in that way, you know, as like, it's like, I just think of them as, you know, my high thoughts that they're, they're not necessarily like, I don't feel like they're quite as, uh, what's the word I want to use? Like, um, bright and shiny. Yeah. I was going <laughs> to inspirational is sort of along the line, but, um, <laughs> you know, like introspective, introspective. Thank you. I mean, one of the ones I had recently was as a single person, which I spent a bit of time thinking about these days. (laughs) Yeah, Um, me too. (laughs) (laughs) You're not alone. Going, maybe I should examine some of my past relationships a little bit deeper rather than being like, okay, it's just over. And I don't really need to look back at that. But like coming to the realization of like, maybe I need to examine that. And then even this morning I smoked part of a joint and I was outside and I was actually listening to Michael Pollan's book about how to change your mind. Mm. And he was talking about experiment where the, the person guiding the person on side psychedelics was like, you know, hate the plant. And like, he saw the plant wither and then he's like, now love the plant and the plant grew. And, mm. and that the person then realized that how they thought about things really affects their relationships. And I was like, Oh my God, it's, it's, it's not just other people. I have some agency here. So yeah, they don't feel quite mm-hmm. as um, momentous, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're happening yeah. And sometimes the messages are subtle, right? Sometimes yeah. those, those little messages 
together, create something um, that might um, elicit some some reflection, which you're doing now, and introspection, and um, yeah, realization that yeah, you have complete agency. And so often we forget that, especially as women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting too with my cannabis usage that, I mean, Gretchen and I use it together when we record. And one of the reasons I do it in that way is because I find cooking to be kind of intimidating, but having Gretchen talk me through recipes and feeling just the sort of relaxation and drilling into those pieces of the experience with cannabis really make cooking such a joy. And Mm -hmm. that's part of our whole philosophy here. But I do think that it often does depend on my outside stimuli and Mm -hmm. what I'm taking in at that current time and to my own life. And and when you're sort of mulling something over already, you can access different memories, I think, in some ways. It's, It's interesting to me when it can come out as part of that sort of plant guidance. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that was kind of one of your earlier questions is kind of the effects of, of of these plants. And so what I'm hearing from you is that, you know, that cooking can be intimidating. And when you have the support of Gretchen and the support of the cannabis plant, that then you kind of can let your nervous system come down and then approach it with kind of these fresh eyes, maybe a little bit more open, maybe your body even feels open. Mm -hmm. And so how beautiful is that, that you have two resources available to you, like two allies, Gretchen and the plant, Mm -hmm. so that you can kind of continue um, to move forward on one of these goals of yours. And and that's what's so beautiful about, you know, um, psilocybin, like my Um, magic mushrooms is that it is really bringing down your nervous system and it is also giving you some good serotonin with um, a lot of our classic the classic psychedelics is your default mode network right this like chatter that's just like constant it's you know that same old narrative it has an opportunity to come down like turn down and then different parts of your brain actually have the opportunity to light up And so then when that happens, it elicits these other thoughts, like these other voices get to show up and shine. And, and by having that opportunity, we're able to now have a different thought. And what's beautiful about um, like psilocybin and some other um, plant medicines um, is that it stimulates neuroplasticity. So like, wow, like I can take fun, you know, these mushrooms have a new way of thinking um, while maybe exploring something that can be difficult or challenging, or there's some blocks to it and stimulate these new neural pathways. And so of course, when we're in the, you know, working with the mushroom or, you know, other plants or other psychedelics, we, um, you know, we have this new perspective, but it really is right the integration. So now that I know this in new information, it's just kind of like you were talking about Gretchen, like now that I know this new thing that maybe I need to reflect, like, how do I do it? Right. How do I hold myself accountable? And that is where the practice is. It's, you know, working, you know, talking about with our friends, um, talking about it with our therapist or someone that kind of helps counsel us or mentor, And then also so much of this work um, is a a lot of somatic work. So we kind of experience this movement of energy through our body. And so sometimes it can be right through tears. It can be through like tension in our bodies. So, and we might be called to like maybe do dance or yoga or um, Tai Chi or practices that will help move that energy that has um, kind of shown up during this medicine work. Um, and so, yeah, so there's so many parts to it, kind of how we talked about, like how we enter doing the, the work. And that often is called like the set. If I'm already stressed, I'm probably going to be really stressed during this session. But if I had some time to like reflect, chill out, maybe even turn down my social media and television news input you know, any relationships that are challenging before I might even give my nervous system a little more spaciousness. 
And then the setting is what I was mentioning earlier. Hey, am I walking into a space that I feel really safe in that I have the support of a guide or a therapist or the community? Um, do I feel safe in the neighborhood? You know, uh, what does it look like? You know, is there enough, Mm -hmm. like, can I move my arms and legs? Right. And so that's like the setting. And so the setting at a festival, right. would be like all the folks in the festival, the, the sound of the music, the lights, which could be all really wonderful, but also could be for some people overstimulating. Um, and that's where sometimes we see kind of that anxiety arise. And so that's the, the set setting. And then we have the integration. And so doing the work so that we in turn can put into practice what we've gathered in that experience. And, and so often we can take the medicine, learn something, take the medicine, learn something, but it doesn't really matter, right? If we're not putting it into action. So if we learn something, what are we going to do with it, right? It's such a gift to have that experience and to have the right, this relationship with the plant that just wants to be watered and cared for and, uh, you know, maybe has other, other intentions as well but um, ha- offers us so much in their gifts. Thank you. That's, that feels really powerful to reimagine the relationship and the intention behind any sort of plant medicine usage. Yeah. And I, I hope that our intention, you know, is just kind of reflecting is remembering, right? Like cannabis and mushrooms, like these are all, these are all plants that can like just grow. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, right. We have all these other plants that are medicinal, but they may not have the psychoactive, right. But they're so they're great. If we have a cough or, um, you know, these other, other stuff happening in our bodies. And so I think, yeah, thinking about our relationships so that we don't actually perpetuate our own colonization energy that's that's stuck in our bodies, right? That is present. Mm-hmm. So um, I often like to to think about it, and often you'll hear of like this re- reciprocity. So I'm not just extracting and taking, but I get to give back in some way that feels right for me or feels like we're in relationship. Yeah, we've been learning more and more about how. THC in particular affects the endocannabinoid system Mm. and how terpenes respond, how we respond to terpenes more and more. And I'm curious because Gretchen and I both had a question about how microdosing works, but I wonder if you could talk us through before we get into that, what does a typical experience look like? And what, if you could break down a little bit about what you can expect between the difference, the differences between a and a therapy where you're using ayahuasca versus psilocybin versus ketamine and what can a person expect to experience with that? Because as I mentioned, we're learning more and more about how um, THC stimulates our own reactors in certain ways. And I'm just curious about how that, how psychedelics interact with our, you, you'd mentioned neural pathways and um, but yeah, mm-hmm. if you could just give us a little bit yeah. more context around that. So, so for, you know, for psilocybin, right. So I, t- I work with, with psilocybin in the research studies, they work with the synthetic. What we, what we know about it is that, right. We're kind of, when we take it, some people might describe it as a dreamlike state, these memories may be popping up and it's at, it could be like, as if we're watching like a film, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because our, our default mode networks down, our nervous system is a little bit more down. We have some serotonin in there. We're able to approach it like with a little more spaciousness. Of course, when you take psilocybin, there's going to be a period of time um, where it kind of kicks in, right? Similar with cannabis, it's pretty short, but you notice it starts kicking in, right? So there's going to be different doses. So it's really dependent on what your intentions are, right? You're not going to take the same dose if you're out at a festival, if you're compared to like, if you're in a journey and you're in a safe home, right? So you're going to, it's going to look like a higher dose, Right. So you're going to have, right. Your, your nervous system down. So some people might, you know, experience um, some grief. Some people might experience some past traumas. And so with that might feel like for some people, it's lots of tears for some people, they may have a mystical experience, right. And just feel all like, you know, all is one in the world and um, such like beauty and vastness. And so, the experiences will really range, um, especially 
you know, what's happening in your life or yeah, just kind of your emotional state. Um, but of course, like with the dose and then your setting, right. In terms of all the technical stuff, I won't speak to that. I'm more on the therapeutic side and the less on the scientific side, <laughs> uh, but I did do some like reading before and I was like, Oh, this reminds me of chemistry. <laughs> I was like, I really love it. I love that it's back in my life. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. But in terms of all the, the, the technicality, um, but the nice thing, so what's great about, um, mushrooms is that you don't have to, um, you know, if you're on other medication folks, uh, it will have more of a dulling effect. However, for example, if you were working with MDMA or ayahuasca, you have to be careful um, if you're on like SSRI or other medications. So like you really have to consult with your primary around that because of serotonin, serotonin syndrome. So it's really, yeah. So any of these uh, like psychedelics, it is helpful to do your own research and get to know it. Just like you do your own research with cannabis. If someone goes to dispensary, it's always good to talk about it. What, you know, what is your intention, you know, and get to know the different effects so that you can go in feeling really informed and acknowledgeable and be prepared, right? That you're not taking an edible that's 20 milligrams at a party or something, you know, and it's your first time. So yeah. <laughs> this is all super important to really um, access the information so you can feel informed and you will have a better experience, right? A lot of times when people have difficult experiences is because the information wasn't, you know, the person didn't have a, the the information or, you know, or the substances um, were adulterated. And so it is really um, important, right? That's a big piece. Um, so let's see. So MDMA is different, right? It's, um, and MDMA is being used right now to treat uh, PTSD. So that's what is in um, the work. So I think we're imagining the next couple years, you'll be able, you know, if you meet treatment resistance, PTSD. Um, so that means that you've tried other medication and modalities, and it just hasn't shown to be effective. And so um, it's been really effective. Um, you know, I did some MDM training. So I was able to watch a lot of videos um, with folks who were veterans and came back, you know, um, from Iraq and Afghanistan. And so other medications were really ineffective. And after doing the trial with MDMA showed significant results. So yeah, MDMA is a little different, right? It's you got, you, you have more of like the psych some psychedelic properties, but it's also stimulants, right? So that's why it's so, you know, often used in, in nightlife, but you get to experience um, serotonin and dopamine, um, as well as like oxytocin, which is our like love, cozy, huggy, you know, <laughs> getting our hugs, which I very much miss during COVID. <laughs> now we have Same. Delta variants. Mm -hmm. But um, so what it does is, again, like, right, our nervous system comes down, right? We feel safe and secure because the oxytocin means like, hey, I'm safe, right? I can chill out. I'm with my friends or my family that, that I feel safe with it similar, right? We get to access these memories and these, these events in our lives, which could be really beautiful, but also really scary by accessing these memories. We can talk about them in a way that our nervous system isn't going, um, into like a turned on, like super like hyper arousal system or a turned down. So I can stay in a place where I'm still grounded, where I could talk about what happened, but I'm not going to actually go full blown panic attack or dissociate. Mm -hmm. And so often when these memories are so painful, it can be even overwhelming to imagine talking about them, right? Like even thinking about talking about the thing can just turn our nervous system into a panic or just turn our system completely off. You know, why I love it is because I just get to, or will get to kind of just hold people in space, <laughs> you know, and just like love on them. And, <laughs> and it does, I don't, for me, it's not really hard work. Of course, the processing <laughs> stuff is work, but to like be really gentle and kind and soft is really, you know, you know me, Becca, it's, it just kind of aligns 
with how I work in the world or how I want to be in the world. Um, so yeah, turning down those fear responses and then expanding our emotions and being able to really um, take take in what's ha- what has happened in our lives, but see it from a different perspective and then take that with us and integrate it in our lives. Would you say it offers a little bit of objectivity then that you can't normally find when you're trying to reflect on those moments yeah. and experiences? Exactly. So instead of just like being in it, I get to watch what happened. And not only might I see all the scary stuff that happened, but I may also be able to see, you know, the person that helped or the person that, you know, gave me a hug after that scary thing. Whereas in the moment, right, when we are in a flight, fight or freeze, we are just tunnel vision and and focus on survival. So it it takes work to be like, oh yeah. And that one person took me to the car and gave me a big hug and, and, you know, sat with me for hours until, you know, until we were saved or something like that. Yeah. So it gives us that space so that we can view it from a different perspective. Like you mentioned, have some objectivity and know that was, you know, really difficult and painful and wow, I survived. Right. And, and so, so, you know, with the support of MDMA, we're able to have um, that nervous system come down and all these like really great like hormones to support us and neurotransmitters. So how does microdosing work then as part of that process? And what does that look like? Um, microdosing is taking these tiny doses so that you're actually not experiencing any of the uh, kind of distorted perceptions that you might have that you may normally have with like mushrooms. You're like, woo, everything's (laughs) extra shiny. Right. And so um, (laughs) microdosing, ideally you're not experiencing that, right. Cause you're, you're, you're going to work or you're (laughs) taking care of, you know, you go to the grocery store or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like your everyday life. So it's taking these really tiny doses that still help you provide some serotonin support. And I don't, I don't work with microdosing, so I'm not as um, well-versed in that area. There's actually more research, or I I believe that they're initiating research on it, which would be really exciting because mushrooms, right. Support neuroplasticity. So it's actually going to help your Mm. brain growth. And, you know, we know that mushrooms is really good in our dinner and you guys probably use it all the time in your food. (laughs) Um, So it's, it's, you know, it's giving people a little bit opportunity to kind of move around in the world. I would say just a little bit smoother, a little bit easier Like I said, I don't know a lot about it. I have people that I work with in therapy that, you know, come to me because they were working with microdosing or they're interested and they want that therapeutic support Um, Mm and have shared maybe you get a little bit more insight of what's happening. And as we know, with SSRIs, there's a lot of side effects and a lot of them actually don't work. And so here's an opportunity that may have similar effects in terms of, you know, working with the serotonin to help people to move them out of um, depression. So I think it's worth like studying and getting to know all the opportunities and kind of reading some of the research to feel, to learn more, like what might be a good support for a person. That helps provide a little more context around that for me. Thank you. Gretchen, you had a question about. I was just going to ask is microdosing, does that typically mostly psilocybins or do they do that with all the, uh, the other sort of the psychedelic adjacent? Yeah. Great question. Yeah. So you'll see it with um, psilocybin LSD. I think, um, I think I have read like MDMA is not good because MDMA is kind of with a heart. If, read somewhere it's not recommended for long-term use. MDMA is also neuro, there's kind of conflicting reports. It's neurotoxic. Um, (laughs) but I've also read like, Hey, four times a year, that's where the magic happens. If you do it more it the magic kind of way. Yeah. So I think it was Julie Holland's Holland's (laughs) book talks about it. I I was supposed to read it there. You know, it's so interesting (laughs) because like now that I'm doing the research and it's like, nerding out on drugs that you've been told are really terrible. 
(laughs) And then like, you know, part of my training is, has been, you know, for example, with ketamine, part of my training is being taking ketamine and supporting other clients with ketamine. So it's really interesting being in these spaces where I'm like, wait a minute, I get to do this as part of a training and people are going into prison for this. Right. So it's a lot of conflicting messages here, but hopefully, you know, we have a lot of decrim happening and I think culturally and as a society, as from a societal standpoint, maybe we'll shift. That's, I know it's a little bit of a tangent there. <laughs> Not really. We do, you know, yeah, we are more cannabis focused, which is obviously yeah, way more accepted at this yeah. point, but learning in some more, ways, in some yeah. ways, yeah. depending some ways, where yeah. you're at. Yeah. In some yeah. Places. yeah. <laughs> I've only really, so I've never done any kind of psychedelic before. I've only mm-hmm. ever smoked pot. That's like, mm-hmm. I found that I was like, this is great. I'm going to stay here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> it's a good place to um, start too. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, is like, even as cannabis has been more accepted for a longer period, longer period of time, depending mm-hmm. on, you know, who you ask that there's still so much research that needs to be done because there's just not enough information yet to know, like so many, too many open questions for me. I'm like, no, we have to, <laughs> Can we get more questions? Right. And we would have more research if the government allowed it, right? right. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's still schedule one cannabis along with MDMA, LSD, um, mushrooms. And yeah. so um, there would be more money available, but because it's like really hard, it's very rare and difficult to get any money from the government for these research studies. And so, right, all of this like for example, MAPS, who does MDMA is, is funded by, by donations, right? By, so we would have more information and thinking about like all the meta, you know, all the, uh, the plants that we could be working with instead yeah. of big pharma and, um, and also be able to grow your own medicine, um, which we can in California. And I think it's just like, wow, how empowering if you can grow your own medicine and when you need it, right, it's just there, it's there. and you, mm-hmm. uh, watered it, you, you know, s- saying to it or present with it. And then you get to take that medicine, um, just like you would like your herbs. Right. So mm-hmm. I think for me, like I th- it was so empowering, right. Pick from your own garden and make your food from it. Like, wow. Oh, what a concept. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we've lost so much of that connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm keeping an eye on time here. I think we've got just about 10, maybe 15 minutes left. I know Gretchen, you had a question about pain and I wondered if you wanted to, have you seen like pain relief come from using these therapies with people or in that vein, is it really just more of like a changing your relationship to the pain you're experiencing that like maybe you get some pain relief Mm. and in a sort of similar vein, does that also work with some addiction, some sort of addiction? I'm not, um, well-versed in, in pain. I know that, um, with ketamine, which I haven't talked much about, um, when I went to a recent training on which, um, you know, ketamine is anesthetic is you it's used like in surgery, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But also it was shown when folks were going, doing these like medical procedures, they noticed that their depression symptoms of depression was going down. So it has been shown to be really effective, um, for depression. And at this point it's used off label. So <laughs> folks can't insurance doesn't cover it because right. it doesn't have FDA approval and you're not going to, you know, one's going to make money off of it. So we do see ketamine clinics available. Um, you know, Johnson Johnson had their uh, nasal spray was it S-ketamine oh, that was just right. released this past year, which is oh. kind of like kind of a scam. So they just, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you ever see Mc ketamine, which is like these two, like the molecules that mirror each other. So what they did is they just took one out and then that's a new substance, which is often what big pharma does. Right. And so it's a little bit different, but it's, it's from what it's I've not. heard, it's not a significant difference, but because it's a new compound, then um, you, can, you can get FDA approval and now it's like $800, which is really like $2. Ketamine, <laughs> um, which is different because it works off the glutamate pathways. 
compared to your serotonin. I don't know a lot about glutamate, but I know that uh, it's shown to be really effective and it's shorter in duration. So you're, um, so there's different routes people take. They may take a shot, they may take um, a lozenge, like sublingual, um, and then they do also like infusions. And so when people do infusion, it's a really low dose so that you actually don't experience the psychedelic effect. But if you do it injection or lozenge, you will have a trip similar to um, like mushrooms or LSD, very short. So an hour, an hour and a half, somewhere around there. And that's why it's also kind of attractive because, you know, sitting with someone six, eight hours MDMA, like great, but like how how sustainable is that really? Mm -hmm. Right. So the number of people in this country with PTSD. (laughs) So, you know, it's problematic. So I'm really hoping to do like group work because it's just not. <laughs> it's not you funny, know, but it's like a, so yeah, necessary. It's yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hello. I mean, look at last summer. Think about all the people that experienced PTSD from police brutality, right? Yeah. So it's just like, mm-hmm. ah, and all the transgenerational trauma. So Anyway, so ketamine uh, has also shown to be really effective. It's also short in duration, also has you know, you can have spiritual and these mystical experiences, do lots of like traveling and, you know, to different, like, I think I traveled like underground and got to like mm. see the beautiful galaxy. And oh. so with folks who are experiencing this severe depression, right. That just comes back and back. And especially it's, they often use it for suicidal patients as well. Like you'll see that in the hospitals. So you'll hear, you'll get a few messages that are really um, like supportive, like, or you might see something really beautiful and the message might be like the world, you know, life is really beautiful. Like, look how beautiful this image that I'm experiencing in this moment. And, you know, when you're really suffering one to two messages is great, right? It's just like, let's work off that one. And then you might have another session, you know, you have a few sessions with ketamine and just like MDMA for PTSD, you have like three sessions. I think it's a really, it's really beautiful practice. I'm a little bit more lean to, you know, things that grow on earth. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, But so ketamine is also shown to be really helpful for pain. Um, I don't know enough about it. I notice after I experienced inflammation, I have arthritis and after I did the two doses, I noticed, wow, like my body feels really light. Like did I, what happened? Right. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to my rheumatologist and, and she said, well, it may have just relaxed your muscles because when you experience inflammation, you, you have a lot of tension and muscle spasms. So I just, you know, now I'm like, wow, you know, before I was like, "Mm, maybe ketamine's not for me, you know, (laughs) in one of my, in my first trip or my second trip with ketamine, it was like, I had like mushrooms and ayahuasca on one side over here. And then I had ketamine and it was like ketamine, ketamine. I was like, no. Uh, Yeah. So these are the things that happen when you're, you know, under a high dose of a substance, but yeah. (laughs) And then your second question with um, substance use disorders, um, they're doing a lot of great research on that. So um, they've shown to be um, ketamine for alcohol use disorder. There was just a research study that was released, um, I think this past month, um, done on the East Coast. Um, I can't remember. The person actually spoke at the training, but um, still can't remember. And, uh, and uh, ayahuasca has been shown to be also really effective for, um, substance use disorders. So as a, you know, more research becomes available, we'll have more information. And then of course there's ibogaine, which, um, is from the Congo, from the, um, like the BBT people. And a lot of folks who have opioid dependence have used ibogaine. Oh, um, okay. so that's, a. Yeah, there's there's it, a whole other you know there's just so much right. And so that's still rel- sort of relatively new. I because I've only I only remember hearing about it like in the last maybe three or four years. So like I just I, I was just sort of curious and was thinking about that this morning about like oh I have heard about using some of this in in addiction you know the mm-hmm. substance abuse disorders. So I was just wanting to draw a line through that because I I do feel like because so many people get to a substance abuse disorder by being in physical pain and then trying to Mm -hmm. relieve that pain. Absolutely. Um, So you said you, you also, so you have psoriatic or rheumatoid arthritis as well. Um, I have acnelosine spondylitis. 
I have mild episodes at this okay. point. My rheumatologist is like, you have tons of inflammation. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just like you learn to manage, but I don't have, I have the pain is, um, and I, you know, I think also with COVID, right. I'm at home. So it's also yeah. like, I'm not trying to trudge through BART with really painful feet all the time. Yeah. So there's that difference too, is I'm like in the comfort of my home, beautiful trees, birds, like, you know, that's going to take away pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the last thing I'll say, I know that we're getting closer to our time together is, um, you know, one of my primary teachers is, is ayahuasca. So, um, ayahuasca is the vine and the chacruna plant. And, um, I experience it also with mushrooms too, but a lot of really great ancestral work. And so you'll hear a lot of people talking, being able to connect with ancestors or be able to experience, um, you know, some of the ancestral trauma and right. And, and so it becomes like almost this, you know, very clear path of understanding and knowing um, what that might've been like some painful experiences that ancestors had to go through, you know, so ayahuasca also can you know, works similarly where you works with the serotonin as well. Like, like I mentioned with mushrooms is that you can access these memories and, um, painful events, um, while, um, being able to have some spaciousness. And of course there's a different element because it's often right. These are plants and practices from, um, different indigenous communities, um, in Peru and Brazil. And so, and so it's, you know, they have a, a very specific ceremonial practices with like music, which is called Icaros and, you know, more indigenous, uh, inter- like, yeah, practices. So, and so that's, a, you know, another plant that people work with. That's really powerful, right? The, that's where there's the purging and, um, yeah, lots of, for me, lots of blowing my nose, lots of tears and it's done in community. Some people will do it one-on-one, but it's, you know, it's, I think it's best and, and that's how the practice is done in, in community. And so you, you typically have energy sharing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, the medical model, like right now it's individual work, but it'll, much of it will have to move to group work. Cause it's, it's a lot of hours. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, and I just, I'm a huge advocate of, of healing in community, right. We, um, right. This one-on-one individual therapy, which you know, I'm a therapist is really a Eurocentric approach. Yeah. We like <laughs> hang out with our friends when we're struggling. Right. And historically we might've danced in circles or had some drums or just, you know, work together to move through whatever grief or pain or difficult experience you might've had. So I agree a hundred percent energies is so important and incredible to be around mm-hmm. and do together. What you say about being able to access, um, your ancestors a little bit and what they've experienced sounds really powerful too. And it makes me think of, um, you know, being a good ancestor and Layla F. Saad's philosophy behind mm. her podcast and just those intentions of how do you want to leave things for your ancestors? Yes. And so being able to experience or have a better understanding of what was previously a part of your lineage helps inform a little bit more, I think, about the way you'd like to move forward. And then that, mm-hmm. that makes me, I've always been a little bit intimidated by ayahuasca, but hearing you say sure. that makes me sort of reframe it a little bit. And mm-hmm. it's just interesting um, to your point earlier about perceptions and a drug is a drug, but it's the way that it's been sort of maligned or mm-hmm spoken about in certain ways, but the more we can know about these, the more research we can put behind it and the more experiences people can have that are positive and with forward thinking intentions just is so hopeful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And thank you for, for sharing that. Um, I think a lot kind of my interest in the work is, is really healing some of our transgenerational trauma. And so how can I, make my own internal changes so I can show up for the community, show up for my family in a way that I'm not reacting um, 
to something that was passed down to me that actually wasn't mine. Like I'm no longer in these conditions. I'm currently in a very safe and privileged space. And so I do have the ability to um, do this work and have the time, energy and resources for it. Um, And that way, when I, you know, I do that, then I can also share that with others, um, but also just be a better community member, right. And show up for, for folks that might be struggling on the corner, right. And, and just be a nicer person. And in order for us to do that, we also have the, have to have the environment that supports us as well. So um, like I said, I um, have some beautiful trees around me and I intentionally chose this place to be because I realized that, um, yeah, maybe Gretchen, that's how you feel now, but I just needed to tone it down yeah. <laughs> just, after being in San Francisco and working the streets for a couple of years, yeah. so bring it down, <laughs> let the nervous system come down. So I actually can do the healing work. I'm not in a, a survival mode um, because I'm, you know, in these really challenging spaces or overwhelming spaces sometimes. It's important work you're doing. And we're so grateful that you took some time to talk to us about it because it's been I've, I'm inspired and I'm motivated and I have a lot of appreciation for what you do. So thank you so much for joining us. Great. Thank you. Uh, it's such a lovely chat and, um, you know, it's always great to talk about psychedelics and, and also like cannabis, right. And like normalize yeah. this use, normalize mm-hmm. growing, normalize, um, really normalize drugs so that we yeah. can kind of move on from this war on drugs yeah. and, let people come back to their communities. Yeah. So thank you for having me. It's been a treat. Thank you so much, Mary, for, for doing this. Uh, and, and maybe at some point we could do it again because this is all super fascinating and if we can dive deeper into it at some point, that would be really a really nice thing to do. So as we often do here on high gluttony, (laughs) we're leaving with more questions than answers, but that's, it's a good thing I think so I think that's a good thing right it's more curiosity and and we're always learning so not only from like reading about something but also our relationships are always changing and we have you know these new experiences new insights and so it's so wonderful to share that and be in community thank you yes yeah where can people find you Mary if they want to on social media or is there anywhere that you'd like to promote you had mentioned the organization you're a part of and yeah so um please check out people of color psychedelic collective um we have our you know instagram uh, facebook and um as well as our you know we have an email list so hop on mm-hmm. that that would be great um, just to learn about kind of the projects we're doing. Also, we all, we, we are a newly formed 501c3. So also donate if that's something that you can do. Um, and I have a small private practice. So I'm at empath-center.com and I haven't quite built up my social media yet. So, you know, it's on the things to do list. (laughs) You are busy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This has been fun. I I really appreciate our time together. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Us too. You can find us at highgluttony.com and at highgluttony on Instagram and, or wherever you're listening, please like, and subscribe and follow us. Thanks for joining us, gluttoneers. Off we go.